0: so I'm to respond to some of your questions so the sort of questions around thinking and emotions general category of mental psychological experience and this we can see clearly just occurs in two levels one is there's uh, Thinking about, which is more abstract, it's just got a kind of surface level. And underneath that, there's the emotional level of feeling stirred. We think about because we sometimes because we you know, there's a need, but either in any respect group we're stirred. Uh, we think about things because we're excited, or it's urgent, or there's work to do. So, that needs to be considered, but the heart is stirred by some sense of purpose, motivation, or just emotional movement. Some of these are um, very deliberate, some are involuntary. So, the ones that do voluntary, we think, oh, I've got a sense, I um, we want to do this. How does this work? Okay, so there's definitely a purposeful stirring this work, I I think mm-hmm. so it's the emotion drives the thought and then the involuntary one, I feel really nervous and what's wrong, and what should I do about it and what's that person, what does she think of me and have I annoyed her? So, you know, so I thought, what's this going on for? why am I like this? and this is involuntary, the stirred and these thoughts come up yeah. But by and large, you generally have to find out the emotional stirring, mm. what's going on, mm. and so so then you can get much more directly. At least with meditation, as we do in meditation, you get more directly to where the um, where the trigger is that's causing all this stirring. And by and large, are generally very simple. I mean, 'Cause it's generally um search for happiness, comfort, ease, freedom from pain. Yeah. which can be, you know, freedom from the fear of people blaming me, that's painful. Freedom from the sense of making a mistake, that's painful. Yeah. You know, when making mistakes I'd be very really nervous because I'm frightened of what will happen if I make a mistake. Yeah. So some of these kind of stirrings are you know, of this nature. And some are just kind of very deep, something wrong with me, I feel good. So we search for feeling steady and comfortable, comfortable, happy and steady. Uh, and of course the uh, the problem is, there's no such thing as a steady, comfortable stirring, because their nature is so. It, you know, so it maybe start off quite pleasant, but then it's um, looking around. I'm thinking is not going to solve it. As this is to say that one shouldn't be stirred, you know, if it's urgent, something important to do, really, really want to do this, I'm inspired, I'm glad, that's great. Yeah. But it's still, it, you know, you do it and then can there be a point where you say, okay, I've done enough now, <sighs> enjoy the fruits of the good deeds that you've done. So you've been stirred, but you also to a place where you go, okay, now it's time to into steadiness. So just that movement is always going to be, um, just gets habitual, there's no end to it unless you have some process that can step out of that, step back from that experience. And, you see, and, and this is this is really. It's um, interesting because this is where the sense of self um, comes in, you very much get tradition to be active, to be reactive, to get things right, to be useful, to make friends, to be comfortable, that becomes a life mission in a way, it's always that sense of I do, here, uh, there, social life, there's this life, work life, every life, and you get really built around all that. Uh, and, and so, once identity gets established in that, in that kind of frame of reference. Uh, so, to step out of it, you have to step out of your identity. How's she doing? it's, good. it's been good some good intentions there so let's just take a break yeah. looking up on nobody knows how to do that anyway let's get down to the details no control I have music in my mind it keeps playing I have no control I feel like going mad no control have to deal with grief, losing loved ones, no control. Um, so, some of the side effects from COVID vaccination mm-hmm. things are under control now, but there's always lurking fear that the side effects will return or we'll lose control. <laughs> How do I watch and deal with the fear? Always there lurking at the back of the mind. How to cultivate mindfully um, without reacting to thoughts and making them strong. How to cultivate the mind mindfully without reacting to thoughts and making them. making stories, sorry, stories. Even on trying, sitting, walking, meditation, tremendously. Well, I think the uh, other thing we begin to recognize is control. There's not a lot to, you know, you really can't control the mind uh, that easily. Uh, particularly, we're dealing with these, what we call these surface phenomena, uh, fear, mm-hmm. you yeah, something of welling up. Why? Because COVID. Well, you couldn't, nobody could control COVID. And you just shut the whole place down, <laughs> try and control it, and still people get infected. Uh, and really, when you think of it, how much control do we have in life? Aging, sickness, death, separation from love, association dislike. disliked, so how much control do we have? Uh, and so, since we don't have that much, what we really need to... Uh, have some practice with, is how to understand that, and control or moderate our search for security and our fear of losing control. This is where you have to sort of step out of the spin of the mind, rather than go into it trying to to calm it down, step out of it. Naturally, fear death is challenging. One can definitely feel sickness, and you never know where you can't see these bugs moving around. So you never know when it's going to come, where it's going to come from. So, yeah, how you know, much one can get very fearful of that? But of course, COVID only one of them. <laughs> just thousands of death-dealing diseases as well as pollution from air, bad air so many things that we're immersed in that are dangerous and we kind of cruise along like things on so if you actually had a list of the things that could kill you <laughs> any day and you look at them you. <laughs> You can get killed by an electric kettle. Yeah. You could slip over in the shower and crack your head, right? So suddenly you've got Covid red alarm but we haven't got electric kettles, electric kettles. <laughs> <laughs> So we sort of come to terms with we will all, we have been sick, we will get sick we will die one of these sicknesses, something else is going to kill us yeah, so that, that's the raw fact of it so yeah, first of all we move, oh i will do this, we do then you have to feel that emotion moving through So you just keep going back to, this is how it is and you getting frightened about it isn't going to make that much. Damage. It may make you more attentive to not be foolish, take risks. But eventually, you know, you're okay, so let it, you know. Really try to train oneself to come to terms with dying. And sickness. Don't enjoy it. Unpleasant unpleasant feeling well, if you get bored this is what's going to happen so we can say these things and what it's saying is instead of looking, so concerning yourself obsessively about the COVID or the electric cables or terrorists or sharks or whatever. You, know, you take the reasonable precautions but then you meet fear when it arises. And fear, if you meet it carefully, it makes you attentive. And then you the only place it's gonna the emotions discharge is in the body. So, if it goes into your mind just start thinking more about it, proliferating, and it stirs the emotions. The emotions then create more thoughts. And it stirs more thoughts, more emotions. The emotions and the thoughts stir each other up. You get caught in a a whirlpool. The only place it is is in the body. You feel that alarm it's just, okay, there's that nervousness in my skin. My, my face, I don't feel, feel restricted, I feel tense, I feel wobbly. Like the whole body, widening the whole body, awareness down to your feet. Right now, here we are. And body knows how to discharge the energy of fear. The energy of fear. Alarm signal. He knows how to look around. Thinking mind doesn't. So you're going to go into how it feels in your body. Bring your awareness into this inner body, that's all the nervous signals in your body, and then keep going wider, deeper, till you find places where it's calm and cool most obvious places can be standing feet on the ground, spine spine particularly because the spine isn't about feeling anything it's just holding steady Most of the easy ways to feel your spine is to stand and you feel that sense of upright and focus on that and the energy and discharge so similarly when we get past thinking Trying sitting, trying sitting, walking meditation. I don't know what you're doing, but I imagine most people, when they practice thinking mind, is going to be pretty common experience flowing over, and then if you if you um, get involved with it, you get stuck in it. So you just got to keep getting out of the thinking, going into physical feeling, physical sensations, physical feeling. And rather like, um, you know, the way a boat will move through water without sinking. Similarly, you can you feel you walking, particularly, where you get quite a lot of thinking going on. Uh, you can walk, through your thinking, just like a boat moving through water there's a thinking, clustering around thinking the main problem is when we think, we, we go into it, our attention contracts and gets attracted to thinking because that's what we do most of the time you know, in our daily lives, mostly thinking leads us so when thinking starts, we pay attention to it because this is the leader, the guide and that becomes habitual we are what we think that becomes a standard habit when thought starts, you're thinking, oh yes oh, it's nice thinking this is, this is me thinking Having I mean, important thought, having stupid thought Having an ugly thought, but it really takes the center stage. Everything else moves off, thinking takes the center stage. You know? Actually, sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's not. You've got to get it out of the habit of giving it the highlight. It stands on the center the stage, turn the spotlight somewhere else. thinking. Okay, both of them. So if you, like you loosen your attention around the thinking, bring it into your body, and then ask yourself, what's the emotion underneath this thought? Is there anything? Could be just restless, fidgety. restless and fidgety, just anchor it, in an out-breath. time you breathe out, anchor your attention there. The walking anchor your attention to the movement of the legs. And still, the thinking won't stop immediately anyway, but you'll gradually starve it of energy and you won't keep giving it the highlight. Now, if you live in a monastery in Thailand, you always get the howling dogs at dawn, all the dogs howl once one starts you know, there we go one starts yip, yip, yip. and then they all start joining in whole kind of dog thing going on it's going on because of the one sharp dogs and then you think, well no actually this is what dogs do you just do that you have the same attitude towards your thinking. Oh, well, here we go. This is what this is what <laughs> brains do. They do this, <laughs> and you kind of come out of it just as this, this, like the howling dog. And you know, they sound so important. Your thoughts sound much more important than your howling dog. It's pretty much the same. So with music, you know, often it's a mood there. music is kind of jumpy and funny, or it's romantic and soothing. And it's mine, Chitta loves loves emotions, loves those emotional moves. And it just keeps playing it again and again. So again it's just gonna be patient really and not not uh, recognise this is uh, you know, this is what these these habits are like. I think when I started meditation, it took six months for the music to stop in my head. Because I've been listening to music for the last five years, most of the time. So it just became a habit. It took about six months for it to just die down. This is called karma. Whatever you give attention to, Repeatedly give attention to it, that gets established in the heart. And you, you know, nowadays you look around. So much stuff is getting printed on your arm. I go to most most places. You go to sit and have a cup of coffee. Music going back. I don't want the music. (laughs) Shut up, shut up stop it everywhere's music go to the supermarket music right and then you pick up the phone make a phone call Go can't be well keep the phone we're waiting for you listen to some music his Mozart. song i don't want Mozart. song i don't want the music it's a kind of it's like a, like an emotional sedative that, that is used like sugar over everything everything's got sugar in it this is if everything's got music in it. It's an emotional sedative, emotional manager. And your mm-hmm. mind gets habituated to it. Switch it off by essentially finding other silence gets more and more comfortable and, more and more joyful as you practice. Don't fight with the music, just don't get absorbed in it. Leave over losing loved ones. This is a part of emotional nature, one's emotional body, one's emotional system, and it's, it's um, grief, It just have to be with it, really. Um, it's a way in which the emotional body, the emotional network, the emotional system discharges the stress of loss. So we experience. Something we feel bonded to, loved one, something, emotional body, begins to bond to that person, to those people. That's what it does. It, that's the nature of the human emotions. They, they kind of bond us to pets and uh, friends, relatives. So, and then when they go, you get this break. As a shock, and grief is the, the, the system's way of trying to, um, you know, release that shock. It's a kind of melting, flooding experience, like when you break a bone, things bleed, and things, body goes into shock, and it And then, really, that's what you have to be with, and uh, patient with it. And then you can also work with it with loved ones. If they've passed away, then you should, should recommend you spend time wishing them well. Right? Please, wherever you're going, go well. Please move on. Thank you for being around. you had some time together, that's beautiful now. May you go in peace. Make could deliver up intentions like that. It helps to shift the, the uh, perspective from one of loss to one of gratitude so sometimes we might have a you know, puja once a week or something we photograph a person's sense of expressing gratitude on the so you keep the, the image and impression in your heart and, and this all helps the process and we will all be there somebody else will be grieving over you or losing you but what the emotional body doesn't really know because its job is to do the bonding to enable a, a, a sensitivity and sharing it doesn't actually really know there's nobody there doesn't mean there's nothing there but. What we experience is a set of energies, and moods, and feelings, and perceptions that arise. We call that the person, the other person. And then of course, even if one hasn't lost them, it can be extremely jarring and uncomfortable when that person was seen as He's reliable, he's friendly, he's warm, he's comfortable, suddenly becomes angry and aggressive. Okay. Yeah. Well this person is reliable and she does this, kind of ripped apart. Yeah. So, you know, most, most close relationships, marriages and you know, still great as oh. arguments and fighting, because yeah. we this. We disappoint each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was reliable and comfortable and strong, and, he, and then he's gone strange, and I feel upset. He doesn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Get, uh, in person, oh, she was so sweet and kind, now she's demanding my attention all the time. You know, so we get uh, the arguments start happening because the, <laughs> you know, the emotional body uh, is limited. It tends to attachment, it's trying to fixate people in a certain way or reliable way. And, and, and you know, be quite careful of you bond to. because you know, those people have got, you know, we like that feeling, we don't just be left lonely, we like that feeling. Being with others, it says somebody's warm, friendly, enjoyable, fun together, reliable, so forth. This is good. But most everybody has flaws, and imperfections, and bad days, and unresolved hindrances rising. You've got to really be a bit more spacious around that, and so on. In most relationships, it's good to have a good amount of space in it, not too, not too stuck together. Now the person. We can't allow the person to be as they are through their changes. They don't allow you to be who you are through your changes. It's not, it's not a wide relationship. <laughs> you if know, they expect you to be cheerful all the time, not going to work. So it's not a you know, wise relationships based on mutual respect. If you should respect someone and they respect you let you know see you as valuable and respect you then pretty soon you're going to get a feeling of warmth and and happiness with each other because you trust. Make sure you get the respect first otherwise you just get the happy flush and that's romance which is disastrous (laughs) and then recognize anybody we we have to part so we're you know, in those relationships with others we will have to part it cannot be any other way so while we're alive can I honor and respect you and really listen and say, okay this person, why do I, what What am I getting oh she's so generous and kind okay, I really try to pick up that message to be these qualities and things I really value or oh, he's so honest and straight and Helpful. Oh, I really value that, so you pick up the qualities, and bring them in, and, you know, take them in and learn, and try, to, try to find those in yourself. Then this way, our relationships are supportive, Kalyanamita, where we, we present each other with good qualities that we can learn and grow through. This is a skillful relationship. Is it normal to feel warm and perspire doing sitting meditation? Any method to overcome it? Well, I think it's generally the case is either there's no such thing as normal or everything is normal. <laughs> there's a whole range of experiences the, the, the body, the mind can come up with. Uh, the normal th- the what's normal is they change, they come and go in and the not-self. That's absolutely normal. Uh, they come and go in and the not-self. And there's only a certain amount of them we feel comfortable with. That's also normal. <laughs> now so there's two ways of looking at this. Either you can think, well, change your position. You don't if you feel really uncomfortable with it, change your position. Standing position seems if it's an energy thing, changing the walk going to standing or walking, allow the energy to change its shape. Mm. So just bearing in mind what you can't see with your eyes, you can see a visual body. You can't see an energy body, but there is one. Uh, it's, the, it's the whole network of vitality and channels and meridians and chakras and nervous systems that the body the vitality moves around in. And that is a deep and complicated topic, but that does get distorted, overcooked, sometimes imbalanced, so deep practice in samatha can be in samatha practice calm, it's just accessing this and constantly steadying, soothing, expanding, massaging it, so it becomes very comfortable. Because this energy body carries energy, it can get fiery, or go totally flat, stagnant, or get heated up. Now if without, you're not really that... that uh, advanced in that, then just even changing your physical position can help the energy to shift. And it just releases because it's coming down into your legs. you stand or walk, it's got to come down into your legs. So if it gets too... too compressed by sitting, it's not able to discharge properly, not able to circulate properly, then one should do some standing or walking. So that's one response. Another response is what kind of mind state, what mind state or mood is present? Sometimes the state of mind or the mood can have an effect on the energy system. The energy system responds to emotion as well as uh, Physical experiences. So, emotions particularly can have a stirring effect on your body energies. Maybe sometimes it may be useful just to kind of have a wider perspective, not to get to intensification, it generally heats you up. If you're doing intensive practice, that often heats things up. Intensive means there's a strong focus, a strong determination, that can be heating up us, heating things up. So maybe we'll just need to be softer, more relaxed, more spacious. That may help things, with the energy to settle more, cool, at ease. aspect, the third, third response, would be the wisdom response, which is, there to live with it. <laughs> it's not self, it's so the condition. Uh, as I was saying before, there's only very few. I think there's always nothing you can control, uh, but you can begin to understand the need to, the wish to control anything that's not absolutely what I feel is normal. Yeah. Well, maybe normal is a very, very varied creature, and we need to be adaptable to experience some kinds of different qualities of bodily and mental feeling without getting... uh, um, getting stressed by it. So does it matter which way you place the hands during sitting meditation? Um, I think there's a variety of ways mostly the hands because they're extremely sensitive extremely sensitive Um, you can see mostly the the Buddha uses a lot of hand gestures Signals with the hands and fluids. and so samadhi mudra generally means the hands which are very sensitive and collected together. So, what is occurring is the soft qualities of the hands, the palms are, are open, yeah. not compressed. Hand is still, not fidgeting. The fingers, which are normally fidgety things, are still. The hand. Palm of the hand is soft, that's open. And as a sense of balance, it's quite composed. And you can even have the thumbs touching gently, so you get a sense of precision, which can be quite helpful. Also, uh, it means you notice if you're sleepy, your hands drift apart. And you know, also, you can have them even, like I sometimes have them on one leg or the other, the alternative, uh, one on one knee or the other, the other knee. With the hand facing upright, and the fingertips, index fingertip, and the thumb pointing, because again that gives the open hand, the open palm, and you get the sensitivity of the fingers and touching. And but this, and I find, this helps my shoulders to relax more fully. Yeah. It keeps the chest open for me. Sometimes people have the hands placed down on the thighs. Again, the open palm. And that can help send the energy down. In other words, if you're getting... So of energy tends to come up. Most people, the energy goes up, into their heads, goes up. When they get excited, it goes up. Any activation, goes up. And you don't want to keep going up. So having palms touching the thighs So you've got the sense that you can sweep down your arms into your legs, into the ground so that can have a steadying effect which is not compressing See? You're, not, you're not restricting it, you're actually keeping it quite open you're giving that steadying effect So those are ways in which you can use these hand forms When one sees the light I guess this is a meditation limiter. do you focus on the breath or follow the light? well what is the breath in such a situation? now if we take breath to be sensations sensations um, are very limited in their in their capacity uh, and often the sensations fade out as your mind deepens we take breathing to be an energy form, a vitality form, energy of breathing, then this vitality form can, as it gets calmer, it can be quite feel quite radiant and happy. And these may produce these perceptions of light, because that's the way the mind and chitta interprets radiance. So you um, get these images, Or maybe not. Guess that. It's not It's not absolutely necessary. The drawback is the fact you get fascinated. Oh wow! Magic show, uh, and then there's a hypnotic effect, which which means one's wisdom faculty goes a bit numb because we get fascinated. So best to use the energy of breathing just to steady and keep awareness, if there are lights up here, just keep awareness of how it's affecting you. And if you find yourself getting mesmerised, it's not good. You should return to breathing out or widen you feel feel the the feeling of the body. That's my opinion. Other people might have another opinion, but that's that's more on that one. Another question, attention on the entire body, not losing it even when walking and watching the moving of the pelvis. Um I'd recommend that inclination. Again, partly because when we when we're attentive to the body, there's really only two things that you can attend to. One is sensations, tactile sensations, and the other is energy. Right. Well, for use energy I mean vitality. So uh, and the vitality of the body runs through it all. So for example, in order to move so if you're just sitting still, you say, OK, move your arm and you can feel energy run down into your arm and it moves. You do it slowly. Gave your hand there, you think, OK, lift the hand. Hmm. Lift the hand. Nothing's happening. <laughs> OK, this time, catch the ball and jumps up. Energy ran out, didn't it, to lift, lift the hand. The energy is the the body's communications network. So in order to do something, the body senses energy somewhere. So it's always there. And even if you're sitting still, then it's generally what it's doing. It's not not always just what you ask it to do. The body does quite a lot of it autonomous by itself without you asking. which is good, because it's it it's got something saying breathe in and breathe out you don't have to remember to do it I mean really important things, it realises the body realises don't leave it up to her, because she might forget <laughs> so I'll do it so the body does it automatically you notice when you get to the end of an out-breath when it rests there, something starts pulling and breathing in. It's a little pull. And you get to the end of it, energy moves. Get to the end of it, energy rises, moves, expands, you get to... Body seems to realise that that's enough. and the energy tails off and goes quiet, full inhalation then. And it changes. And you breathe out. That's the body signaling to operate the muscles so you know you say the muscles do the work but they're getting the message from the body Body sends the messages through its energy system now if you walk and you take it very carefully and just notice how it happens body goes okay it's going to the hip rest on that one lift the other leg doesn't do it verbally but you can feel parts of your body warm up, parts start moving, parts start shifting. And uh, if we really don't just have the idea of walking but really sense what is going on that is the basic signal, lift that leg, you know, turn the hip, turn the pelvis. But then a the subtler signals such as well it's more comfortable if you flex the waist a little bit so that leg doesn't just go clunking down, it's a counterbalance. is smooth. Right. So it's a smooth walking, just a lurch. Right. And natural also when the leg comes towards the floor, you don't just bash into the floor, the body gently lowers the foot towards the floor. It's quite quick, but it, but it still comes down and the body, as the, as the leg experiences itself extending right, you close your eyes and you feel that leg lift and then you feel it bend and extend right, there's a foot, energy in the foot picks up now the, the foot is now taking over so the energy goes down to the foot to make sure that what I'm standing on is going to be supported so that moment, the feet line up uh-huh. and then here we are and then the body goes in that foot right and steady and strong and energy down one side strengthens to take the weight and then the other leg moves all this signaling going on which you may, not, you may not notice at first so we say the whole body well that involves that's, that network is running through the whole thing so it's you know, most of it and as you uh, become more attuned to it you can even recognise you know, the spine and how that affects the shot in the back when you walk it's not that it's it's not doing anything but it's 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 receptive it's there you can sense the back flexing and the more you get into it then you, you can begin to really remind the body you know, say actually what's behind me what's in front of me is completely open so you send a signal to the body right in front of you there's no obstruction as nothing, you know, there's nothing to hit you around me there's nothing, I don't have to defend myself so you, send, you keep this message going in, into the body, and the body begins to look. oh, That's right, I've got plenty of space. Uh, you feel the energy widen. So it becomes very comfortable. Because of course, when you're walking through a, a city, then these eyes see all these cars and buzzers and people, uh, traffic, and people are quite congested then, as we see that in mind, uh, then the signal comes in, okay, you, you, you don't feel, you, you're sort of contracted because you don't feel you've just be totally open because you, somebody might see you or they might knock into something you've got to be in so a slightly contracted state particularly in crowded situations, the body does it automatically you know, What it's like to be somewhere completely on your own? In a comfortable way? Oh, this is nice. And there's 50 people sitting around you. <laughs> they're not touching you.
1: But still that sense,
0: that something comes a little bit, you know, A signal. So you keep sending these signals into the body. Your back is covered. Safe, there's no pressure, so you don't hunch your shoulders, there's nothing to think about, you can relax your face, nobody's bothering you, nobody's looking at you, so loosen up. You know? and the energy then properly, energy channels begin to open up, and it's a very pleasant experience, and steady. So, that's kind of a bit detail on what I mean by the whole body it doesn't mean you can be aware of your ears or you could keep running around with your nose. Just have that sense of the wholeness. Just a sense of the wholeness. And what comes in when you say whole body, no, no problem, no restriction, no obstructions, free, spacious, happy, at ease. What happens? Then you begin to sense oh, the, the arms, and skin, they feel quite comfortable. So that's a reference point where we walk, standing also. Very, uh, because we're standing, you have to wear the whole body to maintain the balance. And first of all, is the basic thing, which is the feet you know, the legs and the spine. You've got that inner support when they're steady. Then, okay, once, uh, then a bit steady. What's around that? How's the chest? And how's the back? And is it, is it anything that my. It is tension I can relax. So then the body begins to fill out. And the space around me is part of the experience. Space around my body is part of the body's experience. Because if the space around me is hostile, it's going to be tense. If it's friendly, it's going to open. So we keep a, a friendly space around us. That's part of what the body experiences. So, physical pain, familiar topics. Someone has scoliosis. Uncomfortable, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Are there meditation techniques for people with physical discomfort or sickness? Another one, how do I deal with pain bodily and mentally, skillfully, when we meditate? Dukkha. Well, I think you're really probably good to adjust what you mean by meditation. I would suggest you just just, um, try to consider instead of meditation, think of non-distraction and peace and harmony, and, and see what you can what fits your needs or you need some sense of the pressure is off, relief from pressure. And can there be a relief from the pressure of discomfort without distracting? Distracting means what, just you know, look the television, kind of a movie, listen to music, and so forth. Maybe this is yeah, eventually makes it something we have we need to do it, it gets very uncomfortable. But there's a possibility of developing a way whereby one can experience pain, discomfort. And yet your awareness expands around it, does not try to stop it, does not get involved with it, just senses this is unpleasant feeling. You now whether you stand, sit, walk down, walk, lie down, or sit in a chair, on your back um, it doesn't really matter as long as you maintain that that contemplative view this is pain this is discomfort you cannot stop it stop fighting it um, then what is it when well, you don't get agitated around it fight it or try to block it, what is it surges, surges of feeling. What surges? Energy surging, energy vibrating, energy tightening, energy forms. So it gives you some sense of dispassion towards that process which we are all subject to. And then dispassion. Then you give your focus to dispassion. Not to the pain, but to the to the dispassion. Normally, what we experience is pain and passion. We don't notice the passion. The passion is to stop it, to get away from it. Well, we don't really recognise that. The reaction to it. So, of course, we don't want it. No. Actually, we don't want to, but the emotion of the passion, the agitation, the pressure, the oh why, the complaining, criticizing and so forth, that's passion, negative passion. The, the dispassion is much more, this is happening to something there. It's the nature of things. These are just ideas, reflections that May help to trigger a particular release of the heart. And then you can focus on some degree of dispassion, a little bit of dispassion. You focus on it, it gets bigger. What you focus on will get larger. You focus on the pain, it will get bigger. You focus on the dispassion, it will turn into compassion compassion means, everybody gets this this is not just me, it's everybody not just humans, every creature experiences this and in the heart becomes extremely tender and open and strong this is uh, uh, definitely the most useful trajectory to follow as best one can and it's something to work with um, as part of one's meditation practice part of one's life practice since it's inevitable 12 links of dependent origination which link is the weakest (laughs) the one in order to break the link (laughs) Well, you test them all, see which one, <laughs> check it out for yourself. Uh, but probably the recommended one is between feeling and craving. In a way, I've been, just been talking about that. So, we you have unpleasant feelings, a strong craving or passion to get rid of it, then you say, There's the feeling, there's the not wanting it, there's the feeling, there's the resistance. The feelings aren't going to go away, the resistance will go away. Unless you break the link, you accepting accepting present feeling. Not that easy to break, is it? But, uh, pleasure. We don't want to break the link. <laughs> but, uh, the, 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 uh, Inflammatory nature of it. Pleasure is pain and pleasure; they both happen. So it's not like pleasure is all. Oh, no, it shouldn't happen. Pleasure happens. That's that's what, that's the way it goes. Uh, but it's the inflammation and the hunger and the seeking more and then the uh, grabbing and the excitement and the, the, the demand that, that can go on with it. That's the problem. So it is, there's the pleasant feeling. Yeah. This will change. This will change. Because I know if, if I just grab hold of it, uh, you know, we, we can still be pleasant for a while, but then I start, one starts to get reckless, uh, unbalanced, mind tips over, and then it begins to lead one's actions uh, to have more the mental clarity, the mental composure begins to decline and we go a bit giddy uh, uh, and this is a weaning process because I think, you know, something is quite likes to be giddy is pleasure. <laughs> But uh, so it takes quite a few years to realise you actually seem to be sober <laughs> it sounds kind of rather dull it's not resistance to pleasure it's not aversion to pleasure, it's not condemning it it's just saying I know this can take over and over the time I've begun to realise that can be hazardous so I just let the pleasure rise and move through and, and of all the terms the more feels is uh, body and mind so that makes it simpler. Some respect bodily feeling is uh, difficult, but mental feeling is is surpasses it. So we have extremely unpleasant uh, sustained displeasure, like miserable mind states, unhappiness, gloom, depression, agitation, fear, negative uncertainty It's all extremely unpleasant. These uh, can go on. Or not. Most of our self and self impression is to try to not have unpleasant mental feeling, and it doesn't work. I want to be secure, be comfortable, be happy, good friends, and something breaks down in that. So, more reliable is well, you to, you know, learning to accept. Unpleasant feeling. Yeah. He turned up late. That was not enjoyable. He said he'd be at five, In six. That's not enjoyable. That's unpleasant. Uh, mm-hmm. And for an oh, idiot, and sounds so stupid. We don't doesn't care. And useless idiot. <laughs> treated like dirt. Disrespectful, just just a minute, (laughs) just notice unpleasant feeling actually, I'm here, breathing, was attacking me, that's fine, Mm -hmm. you shift your attention to what's here, You find out the person turns up late and says, Oh, I'm terribly sorry I got stuck in traffic. Oh, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, my mother got sick, I had to go help. Oh dear. I'm terribly sorry I turned up late, but I fell over and twisted my ankle. Oh dear. (laughs) Or I was terribly sorry I turned up late, I was trying to do this, I was trying to do a favour for you, I went to to buy you a present, got stuck in in the shop. I didn't get angry. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, you know. So when we interpret other people's behaviour, be really, really, very careful, because you're almost always wrong. <laughs> what you know most, you can know, is your own behaviour. Here I'm getting impatient. Here I'm getting annoyed. Here I'm thinking she doesn't like me. Here I'm thinking, this that stop imagining what other people are? Notice your own stuff, deal with that if he is careless, useless, insensitive disrespectful, turned up late deliberately to annoy me that's his problem I'm not bothered I just gradually say okay that's fine but um, if you want to associate with me I need, we need a few ground rules and be able to work things out so I'm not angry, I'm just saying it's not going to work if we don't respect each other. So cutting the feeling, between feeling and craving, and projection, once the craving takes over, all the elaborations begin to start. Now we enter the streams of tapana. <laughs> follow the Eightfold Path, and... Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> And you are doing what we're doing, you see, because a lot of this thing about, uh, you know, just being aware of your body in a different way what are you doing with all these practices? You're coming out of your normal personal model. Where personal model is I live in my head I figure things out. And this is where I am. This is who I am. I am this person who tries to this is and the other, and you see this person can't control their own thoughts. They can't control their pain, they can't control their thoughts, they've got, ma- they've got music running in their head, they can't stand that. How much use is that? For the person in your head? <laughs> so Suttapana, someone who's begun to get out of being that person lives in the head. That's called Sakaya Ditti. Yeah. And they don't expect it to be uh, comfortable or secure or reliable I realize the person living in my head is slightly demented <laughs> have to be patient with us <laughs> and but that's not all that's here there's also a lovely heart that can be more comfortable compassionate that's much better yeah. and there's this amazing thing called breathing it's not a person that's much more comfortable and there's this lovely stuff called Dhamma. you listen to it Suddenly, I think that's what I want. So they shift from the, following the person to the head to following the Dhamma as it manifests. That's how. Okay, last one. Sariputta Moggallana. To elaborate what they understood with regard to the to target as arising. I don't think that's referring to what i mentioned. Well, the arising is, is this incident where the, they were both seekers um, searching for truth. And then this Arahant, one of the new Arahants, who'd been with the Buddha, a group of six, you know, his, his friends, and they, he, when they became realized, they, so he said, go wander around, you know, show people the Dhamma. And then, so this elder, Asaji, was wandering. And he, he very composed, radiant, looked really, pretty impressive. His quiet, radiant, composed manner. And Mokalala said, "Who is that? So his friend. Your yeah, faculties are clear and bright. What, what is your teacher? What does he teach?" No, he said, "I'm only a newcomer at this. was an <laughs> so you know i not it's not necessarily a big deal you know they're modest they said oh yeah but uh, basically the gist of it is that the the, the the targeter teaches the root of all phenomena the root condition from which phenomena arise right? and he teaches that and he teaches the cessation of that, too this time, it says, this is the teaching of the Great Samhain and this particular, it's a, it's a short short stanza it actually appears in the books of the Vinaya the Mahabhava Vinya, the Vinaya, so you don't often see it in the Suttas but this was so famous that throughout Southeast Asia, this particular refrain was carved on many, many steels and chedis as the kind, this is the, the nugget yeah. anything huh? <laughs> all things that have a cause the target of, understands the root condition the cause of the arising of things it also understands the cessation too Things that means everything. The world as you experience it, the phenomenal world, your thoughts, your emotions, sounds, signs, what affects you, what touches you, happiness, sadness, mystical states, miserable states. He understands what where do these come from? Most of us I don't know. I think it's me. Targeter understands the cause, causal condition for the arising of all conditions, and he also understands the ceasing of them, which, uh, at least, and that. So, to, to know the ceasing of phenomena, uh, what is it that knows that things end? Not just thinking, what is it that actually witnesses? Feeling, for example, pulsing. Stay steady. Yeah. yeah. A mental mental state, such as maybe we feel excited or something, whatever you're excited about or disappointed by just focus on that sense of excited or disappointed and stay steady with that don't think about it don't worry about it what is he doing? what's that? what's the silence? what's the stillness? so that's the whether to target went. <laughs> Why is this useful? Because for most most of us when we things are bubbling along, we don't it, we add another thing. We jump to the next thing. We jump to the next conclusion. And next and next. And that means that and this is this and next and keep jumping. It's the next. It becomes st- habitual. What happens if you don't jump? Again, for an untrained mind, if you, what happens is something else just comes rushing up. We don't decide, just things stop running, rushing up. You stop thinking and the emotion rushes up. Right? So things just keep flooding in. Well, the as has developed the capacity the serenity, the openness, the space of the mind to the point in which it can cease and the underlying turbulence that keeps throwing things up has been calmed it doesn't throw things up this is non arising so when they heard that this is powerful they uh, say they were very going to find this, this Got we better go and find him. So they did. Okay, we've uh, extended beyond the time limit, but um, that's uh... so. Any yeah, of this, any of these has been helpful. Maybe some of it didn't mean anything to you, but some, well, two points might have been useful, yeah. if so. There's a time to spend five or ten minutes just remembering it, collecting it and measuring it in your heart.